management class. This is Sports Rage. I am Gabriel Morenci. The pimps, the players, the hustlers, the cage heads, and everybody else in between. Uh, we're going to get back to the final four. We're just talking a little UFC right now. So, you know, everyone wants to see John Jones fight Francis Ngannou. And we said, all right, Jones does, does deserve to be paid. It's a big fight. He's going to be moving up in weight class. He's a great champion. Uh, but you're also a champion that's been, like, suspended a million times. You've gone to jail. You ran a pregnant woman over. Like, you know, we can go on, bro. All right? You know, you don't have, like, a ton of leverage. And, like, you figure that a guy that has left, like, 20 to 30 to $40 million on the table over the years due to your inactivity, due to your own stupidity, would, would say, you know what? This is my last chance. If I can get $10 million, it's a lot of money, man. You know what? I mean, your brothers make that in a year in the NFL, bro. You, you know what I mean? You, you've made nothing after all this. You got nothing to show for anything. Besides, you probably get in a free into the strip club in Albuquerque. So... So I said, listen, $10 million, I, that's pretty fair. You know, and, and fine. You want to negotiate a little higher? I can live with it. Like I said, you know, $25 million. Here's $11 million each, 11.5, that's 13, and then another $2 million to the winner. So the winner walks away uh, here with, you know, the winner walks away with $13.5 million. <laughs> You're in the UFC, bro. You're in the UFC, all right? You're not Floyd Mayweather. You're not um, Canelo. You're not Canelo Alvarez. You're not you're not Manny Pacquiao, right? People around the world aren't going to be you know. Yeah, it'll be a big UFC event. It'll be a big time fight. John Jones is acting like this is like you know Fraser and Ali or something. It's like bro, it's the UFC, all right? All right like eight to ten million. And honestly, like if you're John Jones, it shows me he, I believe it now, he doesn't want to do it because you don't go right on Twitter and bitch about eight to $10 million. You don't go on Twitter and bitch about that. That's where you go, all right, you know, thanks guys. All right, you know what, I'm gonna get back to you. And you play it cool. You build up some hype online. Hey, don't you guys want to see this fight? You, you act like you're really into this. And then you go, listen, we're in the same ballpark here, but it's a little light at 10. I want 12.5 and 2.5 if I win. I want 15 and I want two points of the pay-per-view. So, but you go right and bitch, oh, eight to $10 million is an insult. What do you think you're getting from these guys, John? Come on, man. Bring it. Sports gaming insights and expert analysis on daily sporting events. Information you can take to the bank. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Everybody's got an opinion. Go ahead. Ask them. But only a few have an opinion informed by expert analysis and experience. It's called trust. It's why we're here. For you. Keep it here and get the edge. You're listening to the Sports Grid Radio Network. You're listening to Sports Grid Late Night with Gabe Marinci on Sports Grid Radio. Sirius XM Channel 204. My name's Bobby and I am an addict. Hey, buddy. You know, you folks aren't here because you're gamblers. You are here because you are terrible gamblers. Hey, Bobby. These folks don't need to stop doing what they're doing. They just need to get better okay. at it. The late 
your management class. This is sports rage. I am Gabe Lorenzi. Mike Bluer's going to step up and then we'll get back uh, onto the hardwood. Uh, busy week uh, this week. We're going to keep it rolling tomorrow. Teddy Covers will join us tomorrow night. Um, we got Jamie Eisenberg, uh, fantasy guru, going to be stepping up. We're going to talk some NFL football. Uh, we're going to talk baseball. I see. I think Jason B. Takafin will join us uh, tomorrow. One of our baseball uh, guys, former uh, you know, champion. He's a GM in the uh, Oakland Athletic um, system with Billy Bean with the uh, Vancouver Canadians. Won, won a bunch of championships. Smart baseball uh, guy. Great baseball uh, podcast. So we're just talking about John Jones and and you know, like I said, I defended John Jones last week, right? You know, I understand he should be paid. I totally get it. Yet I don't understand what you think you you deserve to be paid, bro. Number one, how many pay per views will this sell? All right, a million, yes. I won't argue it. Is it going to hit a million and a half? Probably not. No, you're not Brock Lesnar. Um. You know, it's hard to crack that. But let's just say a million. And whatever. Let's so what do they say? Let's say so sixty bucks. All right, so you think, well, that's 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 uh, that's sixty million dollars. Right? So that's what John Jones said. Well, that's sixty million dollars. All right. It's not sixty million dollars. All right. The cable companies take half the money. Point blank. Boom. Half the money's gone. All right. Without the cable company, without their worst sports grid, without the cable grid, there's no pay-per-view. It doesn't matter how much power Dana White has, he can't like force, he can't force Altis, he can't force Optimum, he can't force Bell, Rogers, or any other cable company, right? Pack Bell, you know what I'm saying? He can't force them to show a pay-per-view. How is he gonna do it? How do you get on TV? Well, you got to go through someone to get on TV. Dana White is powerful. He's not powerful enough to just invade a television grid. So how's he get? How do you get on a pay per view? You have to give half the money, guys. That's what the deal. The cable companies are like, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll sell the pay per view for you, uh, but we get half the money. <laughs> like, we're not going to like take all these phone calls and process this and do like, no, no, we get half the money. All right, so. So your 60 million is 30 million. Not to mention what you're getting hit on the tax with. All right? And then whatever. ESPN's a partner now. ESPN's not doing this for free. So ESPN gets a cut. And then the UFC's not doing this out of charity. So then they get a cut. So like if you're John Jones and you should know this, but all right, so like yeah, there's all this money on the table. Well, meet Mr. AT&T over here. All right, meet Mr. Time Warner, John, because these guys are getting 42% of the cut right off the top. Well, why is that? Because they own the network. <laughs> because without them, there's no TV. There's no broadcast because they own the damn grid. If you don't like it, go to Congress and change it. All right? So, boom. All right, meet Mr. Cableman. Mr. Cableman wants like basically half, 45% type thing. Um, they want half. Like I said, ESPN is now a co-owner of the UFC and in on all the all pay-per-view broadcasts. ESPN produces it, but even 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 ESPN can't force cable companies to take pay-per-view calls, right? So, so ESPN gets a cut, the UFC and Dana gets a cut, and the agency gets a cut. Like they're all getting a cut. So suddenly the sixty million. What do you want, bro? You know what I mean? You want them to do it for free? 
Yeah, you're going to make 10, 15 mil. They're going to make 20 mil. The cable company's going to make 40 mil. That's the real world. What do you want to know? What else? Like, like I said, and if you're John Jones, that's the thing, Matthias. You don't have any leverage, bro, if you're John Jones. Like, what are you hanging on to? And in fact, Jones, like, nobody wants to see you fight anybody else anyways. Nobody even cares about you. You've been out of sight for so long. I'll give you credit. You're the best UFC fighter ever. You will give you credit for it. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. No one cares. People forget. People forget. You haven't fought in forever. You're old. And quite frankly, your last few fights have been boring. Well, you think people are going to line up and you think you're going to make $10 million to fight Reyes again? Who are you going to fight? You're going to fight Anthony Smith? Anthony Smith can barely fight a crackhead that broke into his house. <laughs> I'm telling you, Matthias, bad business decisions by John Jones. This guy no, should no. shut up. And I'm not saying take eight or ten, but I'm saying don't start crying about the eight or ten. Shut up. Go back to them and say, listen, it's a little light and let's do this. Because I don't know what he's expecting. It sounds like he really is. And remember, Matthias, this is the same guy that said Dana is full of crap. I never asked for 15 million. Because remember, Dana said, hey, asked for 15 million. I told him it was a little, a little high. I never asked for 15 mil. Well, now you're crying that you all got off for 10. So what is it, John? I'm he's starting to piss me off. I'm telling you, bro. Now he's making mistakes. He should never go to social media to try to negotiate with the UFC. It's never worked for anybody other than Conor McGregor. And he just wants Conor McGregor treatment. He's even thrown that out there. If Conor McGregor was tasked for this much, it'd be red panty night. It'd be whiskey night. He's not getting the same treatment. So obviously he's a, he feels a little bit disrespected. You know, the I could see where he's finding some leverage in his head and the people in his camp. You know, going back to UFC 232, when they were supposed to have that card in Las Vegas, he was headlining that event against Alexander Gustafsson. Obviously, what happened with the Nevada State Athletic Commission, they caught him with the picograms. He wasn't allowed to fight. The UFC changed venues to Los Angeles just 36 hours before any of the fights were to take place. They told all the fighters, drive to California, you're going to have the fight here, all for John Jones. That move cost them $6 million by itself just to move that location from Vegas to California. So John Jones is thinking, you know what, if they want to actually move their location for $6 million just for me, I'm obviously have some value towards the UFC. So yeah, but he doesn't anymore. So. Yeah, I, I don't think he, so either. I think if you're going to... They don't they care. Negotiate the Dana 12, White... Negotiate the 12. Dana White has $800 million right now. He doesn't care if he makes another, you know, 4.1 off of this fight. He'll still be rich in the morning, John, and you won't in a couple of years, bro. You're going to be signing autographs at some convention. You're going to be begging to get into the WWE at WrestleMania in a few years. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and I see him here. Now, now you see, he's really going off on Twitter. He's talking about how he feels as though he was completely underpaid throughout his entire career. It's like, bro... You're, you, you, it's your fault. It's your fault. You signed with Nike. You were the first MMA guy to get a mainstream media endorsement with Nike. And you started, you thought that the Nike stripe was a Coke line and you snorted it. <laughs> and, 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 and here, here, you know, and, and, and this is what he's talking about here. And I get you, I get, I get you, John, but you're wrong. He's basically saying now that this fight is as big as Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury is. And that he should be paid, like, are you nuts? You think you should be paid like Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua? 
Andy Joshua and Tyson Fury are going to sell like 140,000 tickets in a, in a stadium, bro. <laughs> at like, like $8,000 a ticket. <laughs> like, what are you, what are you, on crack? You're not, dude, John Jones, you're not an international superstar, bro. Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury, like, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know, man. Somebody needs to talk to this guy and say, John, like, he, he's, you know, like, if you go to his Twitter, he's going on and on about it. I, you know, you look at boxers. You're not a boxer, all right? You're not a boxer. You're not a boxer. I don't know what to tell you. I don't want to hear what people in the NFL or boxers make. You're in the UFC. You're not a boxer. Everyone knows fighters don't make anything close to what they actually bring in for the fight. I don't see what the big deal is paying your main event for one of the biggest fights ever. They are paying you. They didn't offer you $2 million, bro. Derek Lewis says he'll do it for $8 million. John Jones says you don't have 15 world champions. Shit, shut up. <laughs> Bring it. You're listening to the Sports Grid Radio Network, doing our part to spread the winning edge nationwide. Get on the grid. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. So many sports, so many memories, so many players, so many teams, so many great matchups, so many possibilities. Now, are you really going to pass all that up? This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. The late night anger match for class continues. This is Sports Rage. I am David Lorenzo. We're chopping it up, breaking it down. Series 6M Channel 204. Hope Springs Eternal. Let's bring in Mike Blewett to break it all down. Mike, it's always a pleasure, my man. How you doing? Uh, I'm good, buddy. We got a lot going on, obviously. We're on the verge of all the sports colliding at the same time. College basketball, MLB. We've got uh, NBA, NHL playoff hunt is in uh, in effect. And then we're going to, before you know it, it's going to be Masters and NFL draft season. So a lot going on in April. Yeah, it's like George Costanza said, worlds are colliding, and that's the the after effects of the pandemic, that everything is just sort of, everything just sort of crosses over right now, and in fact, I think you missed out, I guess, uh, and you know what, I've lost track for the last couple of weeks, but there should be some college football playoffs coming up pretty soon. They're actually having like some playoffs and everything for the teams that are playing. We have the Masters next week. The NFL draft is less than 30 days away, less than 24 hours from first pitch, the final four is set. We really are into that, the new phase of the sports calendar right now. Yeah, college basketball, uh, college basketball blew it, is killing NFL draft blew it, to put it in your Seinfeldian <laughs> terms. I need to dig in on the draft, and college hoops is keeping me away from it. No, for me, it's the other way around. I've had a great <laughs> NCAA tournament. Yeah. And I tell myself every day, I'm not going to bet the NBA. I'm not going to bet the NBA. I'm not going to bet the NHL. It's March Madness. And then I'm like, well, you know what? I'm 6-1 and one in the NCAA tournament today. Why, why not bet a couple NBA games? And at night, 6-5. And five. I'm like, I was 6-1. and one. I just bring you know what I mean? Every night, Mike. You know what I mean? Yeah. It never fails. I'm starting to hate the NBA, to be honest. Um, I love the league, but I just want the playoffs uh, to get here. So let's start off with the Final Four right now. 
UCLA, uh, just the second team to uh, to play in the in the first four to make it to the final four, joining VCU. But a very improbable run in which very few people believed in the UCLA Bruins, even along the way, Mike. Uh, totally agree. And I, I was one of those people, I'll be honest. I, I thought they might get bounced by teams like BYU. Remember back when people thought Texas might make a run? I was one of those people. And to see that the way that they've done it, which is really limiting opponents offensively, has been pretty fascinating. You know, Gabe, in watching these games, it's not like they have a, ro- a deep rotation. They're relying on two or three guys every game. Last night uh, in the Elite yep. Eight, it was Johnny Jr. Juzang, who really was able to come up with a big first half. He got injured in the second, but they're able to withstand it. Clearly, Michigan had, I know you're a Michigan guy, and they had real problems shooting the ball. I, I, I tend to think that certainly UCLA's defense was really good, but flopping these teams back and forth between venues has clearly had an impact on the shooting. From Lucas Oil to Hinkle Fieldhouse to Bankers Life Fieldhouse and back to Lucas Oil Stadium, it's clearly had an impact on some of these teams changing venues consistently i can't disagree with that and i thought that some of these rims man are they're more rigid than my ex-girlfriend <laughs> i gotta tell you like you know <laughs> stiffer too like uh and you know just no no mercy but listen ucla causes havoc it's just effort and there's a lot of effort and michigan just quite frankly miss shots yeah. I don't like the, to to use the word choke when you're talking about kids that specifically aren't even getting paid, but they missed shots that should have been made, and not just one of them, like six, seven of them in a row in the last minute and a half. UCLA wins the game, but Michigan, Michigan had their opportunities. But with that being stated, and I am a diehard Michigan fan, although I wonder why at times, Mike. <laughs> I think about like all the. All the games and hours and money and emotion and stuff, and really all I've gotten out of it was one national championship with Glenn Rice, bro, like years ago, 1989. And, you know, nothing but the Fab Five. Professional foul call for Ramil Robinson to hit those free throws, too, but you got true, it, and nobody's true. taking it away. <laughs> very true. <laughs> very, very, very true. Oh, yeah, history doesn't remember that besides you. What are you, Seton Hall fan or something? <laughs> I grew up in New York, so it was a big yeah, yeah. influence that we, we thought it was a, a not-so-fair call. But nonetheless, yeah. uh, they, did, they got it. So, But, uh, no, listen, I love what Juwan Howard's doing. And think about it. Right? This was his first tournament as a coach. They yeah. weren't even in the tournament last year. It's his first tournament as a coach. I, I really do believe that he has unfinished business, considering that he lost two national championship games. You really can tell he has that passion. But with that being stated, you know, he's they're not the only team on the rise right now. But we will get into Gonzaga and specifically ask you about that. But with that being stated, so UCLA, that's their reward right now. And Mike, I had Michigan making it to the Final Four in my bracket and then losing to Gonzaga. So I wasn't under the belief that Michigan were going to win the national title uh, this year. And I hope the UCLA Bruin fans aren't under that belief uh, right now. Although I was surprised to see. I'm not surprised about the point spread. Open to 13 and a half, bet up to 14, Mike. But I am surprised to see. This is the largest point spread in any Final Four game in history. I mean, it's a pretty considerable lopsided matchup when you have a team that was in the first four, not just making it to the final four, which is sort of astronomical odds in the first place. I know it's happened before, but this is obviously a rarity. But to go up against a team that going in, Gabe, 
considering Gonzaga versus the field in this tournament was a legitimate question. They have been that dominant. They're 29-0. and They've won every game by double digits except for one against West Virginia all the way back on December 2nd. So uh, I just don't know the manner in which you can slow down their offense. It's Whether it's Timmy or Suggs or Kispert, they are able to get transition buckets so well. They didn't even shoot the ball well from three uh, against USC, and they still won going away. That was a blowout from Jump Street. They shot 33% from three. They had 21 assists, single-digit turnovers. I just think they're playing as well now as they have all season. Uh, this is going to look similar to 2018 Villanova's run, where they won every game by double digits. I think that's what we're seeing here. And that's that's the... That's the explanation point on anybody that wants to talk about what conference that they play in. As you stated, as Mike stated, we've talked about it. It's now up to 27 games in a row by double digits. Mm-hmm. So they've won 27 in a row by double digits. The third game of the year was the game that they only won by five points yep. uh, against West Virginia. After it was in one of those tournament type deals. Yeah, it was a neutral, neutral site yeah. tournament deal. It, yeah. it was like three days in a row, if you remember. They beat Kansas in the first game of the year. Mm-hmm. Kansas actually hung around. It was a fun game. It was like 102 to 92 or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like 102 to 90 or something crazy like that. And then they smashed Auburn. And then in the third day in a row, West Virginia hung around. Although Gonzaga were up and West Virginia sort of scored. We should know, Gonzaga did have a bunch of games where they did win by like 10 or 11 yeah. type thing as well. You know, against Santa Clara, BYU. The BYU-WCC final game, I mean, BYU really gave them the best shot I saw anybody give Gonzaga all year. But it was also the greatest shooting half I've ever seen in my life. BYU couldn't miss. They shot 77% in that first half. They were up 12, 53-41 at halftime of that game. And it really only took Gonzaga a few minutes to erase that debt. BYU hung around for the first seven minutes of the second half. And from that point on, I mean, in a game that they were losing by 12 at halftime, they won that game by 10 on the nose. So that was really the best I saw anybody play against Gonzaga for an extended stretch. And they still lost by 10. What do you think? It's tough to judge this stuff, like, historically. Because, you know, with football, we all sort of get it, right? We've been around. We've seen it. You know, I was a kid with the Dolphins, etc. But other than that, I can legitimately say, whoa, 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 I saw that. You know what I mean? No, no, no. This team and that team and this player. With college basketball, it's kind of tough. And I know, like, over the years, and I can't just skip over the last 30 years, Mike. Yeah. Right? But I know there's been some good teams in Kentucky were undefeated going into the tournament and Wichita State, blah, blah. But it was different. Right. It was different. Like those teams weren't just smashing teams by double digits like this. And I have been watching college basketball. Like I would say, Mike, I go back college basketball. I go back to like the uh, Ralph Sampson days. Yeah. You know I mean, that's when I started getting into as a kid, you know, Akeem yeah. Olajuwon, Ralph Sampson. Yeah. I'm like know, probably like, a year or two behind you, but right around the same time. Yeah, so like early 80s era. So I've been watching ball a long time, guys. So a lot of the great stuff that we know, besides the UCLA Bruin run, um, you know, I've seen – and I got to be honest, like this Gonzaga team seems to me to be the best bas- college basketball teams since, the, you know, to me, those Duke teams. Like, who would beat these guys? You know what I mean? Like, I can't think of a team in the last couple of years that have beaten these guys. Sure. You know, like, I don't know, that Villanova team's pretty good. But I'm just saying this Gonzaga team's on another level. And 
I actually do think like they're in the conversation with amongst the greatest teams of all time. And they have to be if they run the table, obviously. But I'm just saying, like, you look at like the UNLV running Rebel team with Larry Johnson and Anthony and, and Hunt and everybody. Yeah. Great team. Great team. I don't know. This this that's who they're great. matching right now. I would say that's who you're yes. comparing to them right now. Well, that's is what the, Kentucky, I think of. Yes. the 2015 Kentucky team and the 1990 UNLV team are who you're matching them against right now. And the UNLV team was smashing teams like Gonzaga is now. So even that Kentucky team, as great as they were, and they also weren't doing that. Soft schedule. Yeah, you and Evie also played a soft schedule. Absolutely. So we're probably softer than Gonzaga's was. Let's be real. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I, you know, back then, I, I don't know that anybody was particularly scared of their conference opponents. And that's sort of where they are now. So they've reached the exact same point that UNLV team did, uh, the one that lost to Duke. So we'll see if they can get past it. Obviously, they're heavy favorites here. Duke was a big underdog back then and was able to pull it off. But uh, I, I think we are so enamored with their offense. They have a minimum of two lottery picks in Kispert and Suggs. Timmy could sneak in there as well. And I think we are so enamored with their offense as I am I think we sometimes ignore how good their defenses are defensive schemes are getting hands on balls getting out in transition uh, they're they're a two-way team it's not a one-dimensional team by any stretch Mike blew it with us on the late night anger management class series XM channel 204 sports grand radio networks a lot more stuff to get to we'll take a quick break we'll continue the conversation on the other side this is Mike blew it Look, you have a simple choice. Keep listening and get the winning edge, or don't. And wish you had. We are the Sports Grid Radio Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Don't think of us as a place to just hear sports talk. Think of us more as an all-you-can-listen buffet of live odds, lines, matchups, injury reports, and news you can use. We are the Sports Grid Radio Network. You're listening to Sports Grid Late Night with Gabe Marinci on Sports Grid Radio, Sirius XM Channel 204. Fight Night continues. We're breaking it down and chopping it up with Sports Grid's very own Mike at Blewett on the Sports Grid Radio Network, Sirius XM Channel 204. Shout out to all of our AM radio affiliates as well. We're just sort of putting uh, Gonzaga's run in a little bit of context here right now. And I do think that the UNLV running Rebels were a good example uh, to, to compare them to. And of course, they did uh, lose to Duke uh, as well when it was all said and done. It's not easy to run the table. Through your conference, through the conference tournament, through the NCAA tournament, no matter what conference you're coming from, and it's an amazing accomplishment. But you look at this Gonzaga team, and I think you know, and I, you know, I guess the best, I guess the best way of putting it, Mike, is they're not street cool. You know what I mean? Like the Fab Five had the shorts, they had the dunks, they sure. had Weber, they had the snarl. They were they were cool looking. They were just cool. UNLV was cool. You know what I mean? Gonzaga don't have that swag about them, so they don't quite get that same love of how good they are because, you know, they're goofy-looking kids with headbands. They're laughing and smiling. They really don't care about what the outside perception is. Like, they do things their way there. Yeah, and 
and look, I've been to Gonzaga games. There's a different crowd that shows up at those games. It is not, I think you're right, but it's difficult to suspect a small little undergraduate college in Jesuit school in Spokane, Washington is going to be the center of hip of the college basketball world. That ain't (laughs) happening. What is unique, though, is that they are now, Gabe, getting those McDonald's All-Americans, those five-star players that they didn't get five and 10 and 20 years ago when they first got on the scene. By the way, I think they're in 27 uh, tournaments in a row at this point, or 23 tournaments in a row. So it is a really interesting component to how this dynamic has changed. Jalen Suggs was a five-star prospect. Chet Holmgren, who's the top high school player in the country out of Minnesota, is thought to be leaning towards Gonzaga. Andrew Nembhard transferred from Florida to go to Gonzaga. So these guys are now coming from all over to make this program program uh, sort of in the same vein as as maybe Duke is how you would sort of describe it the the nature of the college and at what the pro- basketball program looks like you know what and I think that exactly right and winning a championship will cement that and I think they'll win a couple of more down the road I mean they just landed a five-star guard in Hunter Salas who is there the highest commitment ever guys think about that so think about the success that they've had And as Mike just stated, they've got multiple guys on the floor now who could be NBA lottery picks. And they just signed their top ever recruit. Like the the sixth national uh, ranked player in the country just committed to Gonzaga. Hunter Salas, 6'5", shooting guard out of Omaha, Nebraska. And it's just going to continue now, as people see as well. That You know what? It is kind of a fun. It has that eccentric thing, the fan base. Mm-hmm. You know, it is, you know, they're kind of buried, but you get to do your own thing uh, out there. And speaking of which, and I want to get into the, the Battle of Texas as well, but you look, at, you look at the Pac-12. If there was ever a conference that needed a vaccination, Mike, as we are in the vaccination era right now, If there was ever a conference that needed to get vaccinated, it was the Pac-12, but they're vaccinated and they've recovered quicker than everybody else right now. And they're going to have a big jump in their step. I, you know, to me, not a lot of people talk about this stuff, but Larry Scott not being there anymore is big, right? He just wasn't the right guy for, for the, for the conference anymore, running the conference. There's too much. It's a goldmine, bro. The Pac-12 is too much. It's too good. It's too big not to be flourishing. And they needed something to get them rolling. And I think this is it right now. And, you know, something that people don't think about, Mike, but the money is pouring in now to the Pac-12, bro, through this run that they're on. Uh, No doubt about it. Like all those teams, a lot of money that comes into these schools, better facility. Now, guys, it's like, you know what, all right, now let's improve the weight room. Hey, you know what, let's hire that coach. Let's hire this. Let's. There's money coming in through success breeds money. Yeah. Money breeds more success, and we'll see what happens. And now if you're also a kid, hey, why wouldn't you want to go to UCLA, Mike? Right? Why yeah. wouldn't you want to go play for the USC Trojans? First of all, you probably could have asked that at any point in history, right? It's in Los Angeles. It's a great school. It's a beautiful campus and all that kind of stuff. But I think you're right. In fact, so I'm, I'm friendly with the athletic director from UCLA, Martin Jarman. He was the former uh, athletic director at Boston College. It's sort of how I got to know him a little bit. And you can follow him on social media and see the way that he's interacting with people and the amount of 
uh, exposure for the program and the donations that are likely pouring in is massive. Uh, ditto for Oregon State. They got to the Elite Eight. They were expected to finish last. Now, there are also, by the way, uh, mon- there's money units, as they call them, earned as you advance through the NCAA tournament. So there's going to be money flowing into the schools and the conference that will allow them to make further investments. I think Larry Scott's biggest failing, as you sort of alluded to, Gabe, is their inability to really get their network situation worked out. Uh, everybody yep, else yep. had a network deal. Yep. Pac-12 was constantly trying to create the Pac-12 network, and they couldn't get a foothold with the RSNs and the national uh, exposure in order to make that a legitimate network. Now, I, I don't. I think it's just right at their feet. And with the success of this basketball program, all these basketball programs, I think you're right. It's it's probably a good jump start on the heels of Larry Scott resigning. It's probably a good jump start for them to launch into football and have some competitive teams and try to get back into the uh, Final Four of football as well. That's the thing, guys. When you think of SEC football, you know what network it's on. Oh, CBS, CBS Game of the Week, right? You know. You know, I know ESPN has them too, but you know. All right, SEC, CBS. Oh, Big Ten? Dude, I've been watching Big Ten on football on ABC since I've been six years old, Mike. You know what I'm saying? It's like I watch Big Ten football on ABC. I know that. Um, As you stated, Big 12? Yeah, it's on Fox. Gus Johnson. You know what I mean? You you get that sort of identity. You're right. Pac-12. Who's the Pac-12 on? It's like, I don't know, they're a little bit on this network. Yeah, are we getting it on they're 10 o'clock on, on a Saturday morning, night? Yeah. Or we, 9 in the morning have, on Fox. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> do I have to go to CBS SN? Do, where do I go to watch USC play UCLA? It's been an issue. No, no, you're right. And, you know, and basically it got to the point where, if you guys noticed, ABC would only really show a few of the Pac-12 games. Yeah, we'll show you UCLA and stuff, but we're not we're not putting the Beaver game on. You know what I mean? Like it got to that point, and as you stated, and then Larry Scott, and we can go on and on about this, guys. But it's funny because they actually screwed up. It was Peterson at uh, at Washington, mm-hmm. and he complained about being on TV. They were on ESPN, like basically every Saturday night at like ten thirty type thing. You know what I mean? Ten o'clock, ten thirty. And he complained. He says, you know, this is garbage. We're getting buried. The Pac-12 is getting buried. And ESPN actually showed him and they said, look, dumbass, this is when the most people of the day are actually watching TV. They said, you're not getting screwed. <laughs> like you're getting great ratings. Yeah. And Larry Scott bought into all this crap. And then it was his brilliant idea to be on at nine in the morning. Remember last year? Yeah. They're playing in empty stadiums at nine in the morning. Those kids yeah. local time. That's no right. one's watching here on the East Coast. No one's watching on the East Coast. I'm, you got, I'm you know, it was for a an joke. NFL show. You and I, you and I are hammering <laughs> our NFL bets on a Sunday morning. I can't be distracted by Oregon State USC at 9 a.m. I just can't. <laughs> yeah, we'll cut him some slack to the pandemic, but I think there's 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 a lot of upside right now, and for football as well. We saw Clay Helton start to turn things around, Chip Kelly, etc. So a lot of enthusiasm around the Pac-12, and I'm glad to see it. So only the fifth time, Mike, in uh, in Final Four history that uh, two schools from the same state are playing against each other. And this is what we have with Baylor and Houston. Interesting matchup, actually. This point spread is not 14. Much more competitive game here sitting at five. Yeah. Uh, I, I would just say in general that I, I, my expectation is that Baylor would win, but Houston does play a style. Granted, they, they play double-digit seeds all the way through, but Houston does play a style, Gabe, as you know. They want to muddy it up. They want to get into 
a shoving match, and they are an excellent rebounding team. They'll try to make it an ugly game, keep it low scoring, and try to win it late. They're an excellent rebounding team. I don't know that they have the guard play to go up against Baylor and Jared Butler, so I will pick Baylor to win and cover because it's a short enough spread. But Houston's played a lot of tight games. They've been good in these tight games. So I guess it wouldn't stun me if Houston won it because I wasn't so confident in Baylor at the beginning of the tournament. But as I've watched it, I feel pretty good about Baylor getting back to the finals. That's what I had in my bracket, but everything else sucked too too much. So <laughs> that doesn't matter. It won't matter. But what about this? That look, I put the bet in, Mike, and I'm kind of kicking myself. I'm an idiot. I should have just put it in at plus 280 a couple of weeks ago, yeah. or even before the tournament at plus 200, but I wasn't convinced Gonzaga was going to win, and I was more convinced they were going to make the Final Four. So yeah. I bet I laid minus 210, and I put a nice chunk on it, and I win. So they make the You're Final good. Four. But then I turn around, and I look, and I see it was minus 240 and 250 last night, guys, on the show as we were talking about. Minus 190. I couldn't resist it, so I bet it again. I just took Gonzaga again. Now, when you add it all up, I should have just played them all the way through. But I also didn't know that they were going to get a first four team in, right? Yeah, yeah. And the UCLA Bruins. And nothing against UCLA. But, I mean, let's just be real. Would it be shocking to you if Gonzaga aren't cutting the nets down? Or do you think Baylor or Houston can beat them? No, it would be a, a massive shock to me at this point. I, I, I would give, God, I, I would say Gonzaga's 80% to win the title for me right now. 80% chance that they win. <laughs> All right. So is that the same 80% that the Jets are taking Zach Wilson? Mike Blue, it's a big NFL guy. Uh, we only got like two minutes here, Mike. We'll get you yeah. out of here. But craziness in the NFL last week. Yeah, yeah. GMs didn't want to wait and, and miss miss out. They're like, no, 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 no. We're pulling the trigger now. We're not going to wait. There's going to be deals. My question is, are there going to be more deals? Will a Denver or a Carolina step up right now? Like, Or are we really going to have four quarterbacks taken with the first four picks? Things are getting crazy in the NFL. Uh, I think you could have four quarterbacks taking those first four picks, yes, but I'm not guaranteeing that Atlanta is one of them. I think Atlanta can be extracted out of that pick. I think Atlanta could stay there and not take a non-QB. Or I think Atlanta could make that pick, uh, put that pick on the move. Yeah. After Kyle Pitts' workout, I think people are going to be stunned if he doesn't go top five or six now. Does that mean Atlanta needs to take him? They have a lot of holes. The defense stinks, and they need a lot of help. If I'm Atlanta, I'm thinking about moving now that Matt Ryan's probably going to be there for another year or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just pissed off with the Philadelphia Eagles, and I'm not even an Eagle fan. But you guys are morons. You're, you had the six pick. Kyle Pitts is from Philadelphia. You probably could have got him. And instead now, the Miami Dolphins will probably get him. <laughs> Just to terrorize me as a Bills fan. I'm buying into the Kyle Pitts hype, bro. I think the kid really is a generational stud. Like, he's that good. Uh, absolutely was the most uh, explosive player that I saw this entire year. He's the guy that immediately... Caught my radar as somebody that was going to be an impact player at the next level. The workout just backs that up. Uh, you could play him a little all over the field. He's not going to be a traditional tight end, but you can play him all over the field and make him a weapon, which is really more important in today's modern NFL than it is having positional specific traits. Yeah, you're exactly right, Mike. And guys, you know, we've spoken to people and you've heard the people from Mike Dettelier, Rick Saratella, everyone who we talk about the NFL draft and NFL football was specifically Mike, though, who's, uh, you know, follows LSU. And he stated, like, 
you know, the top DBs in the country and the top athletes in the SEC all schemed to stop this kid, and they just couldn't. He's just a physical mismatch yeah. that can't be stopped with the speed and the size that he has. He's like Mike Blewett. Can't be stopped. <laughs> Mike, it's always a pleasure, my man. Yeah, Thanks buddy. a lot for taking time to be with us. Lost in a sea of stats, averages, and injury reports? It's okay. Breathe. You found it. Sports gaming strategies and info. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. How would you rather feel? Lost in a sea of stats, averages, and injury reports? Just breathe, dude. Or swimming in the warm waters of confidence that comes from having the winning edge? We thought so. We are the Sports Grid Radio Network. This is Sports Rage. Shout out to all of our AM radio affiliates, including the mightier 1090, San Diego, Los Angeles. The rivalry is on. Let's do this thing. And I'm not, I'm not going to overcomplicate things here. I'm, I already put the parlay in. Hey, man, last night it was like plus 110. We, we kicked the tires on this thing. And uh, I got it in at minus 105. I'm seeing it's minus, uh, or excuse me, plus 105. It's plus uh, 103. It was plus 110 last night. It'll be minus money. That's my point. It'll be minus money in the morning. And, you know, no need to overthink this. The Dodgers will club the Rockies tomorrow. And uh, San Diego, where you Darvish will beat uh, Arizona. And you get yourself a nice, nice little uh, plus money parlor. Like I said, it's currently plus 103. Plus 103. So I'm not going to go crazy or anything here, but the Blue Jays and the Yankees, even though I know Garrett Cole is on the hill, and I get it, he's a stud. I, I want to take the Blue Jays, but I won't pick on Cole. I'll take the Blue Jays against the uh, the Yankees when it's not Cole on the hill. But the total is 7.5. There'll be runs in this game. The, the Yankees could get to Ryu. The Blue Jays have a lethal lineup that could, like, pop a couple of home runs along the way here. So it wouldn't shock me if that game goes over uh, the seven and a half. I think Baltimore, even though Baltimore blow, Baltimore at plus 152 are definitely worth a look against the Boston Red Sox. Like, they're both evenly crap, so you're getting plus 152 here. And Baltimore actually do have some young, talented players. Baltimore play hard. Everybody plays hard opening day, but I'm just stating, I think Baltimore's a live dog here. I think Minnesota's going to beat uh, Milwaukee. I think Atlanta will beat uh, Philadelphia. And um, we'll break down the rest of the games on game time decisions tomorrow. So there's some early baseball for you. Blue Jays, Yankees over 7.5. Baltimore Orioles plus 152. Dodgers in San Diego plus 103 Firelight. Braves to win. Twins to win. Other than that, you're on your own. Later. Later.